Season 4, episode 33 of Brackets, Bubbles, and Bit Stealers. I am Sam Fetterman. Jonathan Lidskin is not here with us right now. He will be here whenever he's done with the Mizzou stuff. Miko Elite Takes is here to talk about his Houston Cougars because that's what we're opening the show up with tonight. Nico, Houston is now 17-2, and two, a yes, big Big 12 road win for the Cougars. They lost their first two Big 12 road games, but tonight they really showed some resolve. They fought for 40 minutes. Yeah, I would, I would say the biggest win of the year so far. I mean, just – a lot of resilience down the stretch, especially in that altitude. They really stepped the rebounding up. They were kind of getting matched on the boards for a while, but those final four minutes, like they they totally overwhelmed BYU physically. Yeah, and this is a BYU team that shoots the most threes oh my God. <laughs> of anyone in the country. They're number two, most threes of anyone in the country. They are an excellent three-point shooting team. Typically, they have they space the floor with five guys that can shoot, but today, Jackson Robinson's two for ten. Trevin Nell is one for seven. Dalen Hall is 0 for four. Sure, Noah Waterman was hitting his shots. That's mm-hmm. that's a 6'10 wing that hits 40% of his threes. I mean, that that's in itself a really, really interesting piece to have on the roster. What did you think of BYU? I I thought that they were very sort of like I I they they were tough, man. Like, I, I really felt like a lot of the threes they missed were not bad looks whatsoever. Um, I kind of feel like when you push it in transition and you just got guys running to spots all the time, it's 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 really hard to get up and down. And I also think that their pace kind of um, – they kind of dictated the pace of the game because I noticed that Houston, usually very slow pace. Today, they were more of a medium pace. And today, they were also shooting more threes um, than usual, so – um, I would say that BYU actually did a pretty good job. They just um, didn't knock down plenty of solid looks. So, um, Yeah, I think you play this game. That's a problematic over. identity, I think. I think you play this game over again. Same exact shots are taken. BYU probably wins more than 50% yep. of the time. Yep. They got a lot of good looks, including one at the end for Trevin Nell before he mm-hmm. fouled out, and that's a guy who's shooting 47% on the season. He doesn't miss those, but – there he misses and he's one for seven on the day and he fouls out. It's it's just, I felt like BYU, this game, this game taught me a lot about Houston in terms of confirming the fact that they're resilient, just showing mm-hmm. it because finally getting it done tough losses, just yeah. ending up with more points on the scoreboard at the end of the game for Houston is, is so key here. But for BYU, I feel like it really showed me that they can play mm-hmm. with that. They can speed up these physical, Yep. brute force type teams and i was impressed with byu in that sense because they they dictated the flow of this game yeah and i would also say like like i mentioned a little bit earlier i was impressed with how much they were able to compete on the board i mean both of these teams were around uh, double digits on the offensive boards and you know i i really thought that houston was just gonna punch them in the mouth down low and that didn't really happen for about like 90 percent of the game yeah, I mean, in terms of just straight-up height, BYU is a mismatch for Houston. They're mm-hmm. so much bigger. I mean, they, they go with Waterman. They go with Khalifa. Those are just big dudes out there. And they're an excellent rebounding team, but Houston's also an excellent rebounding team. We've seen it in the drills they run in practice. We know oh, what yeah. Kelvin Sampson's <laughs> identities are at this point. 
Houston will rebound. They will always rebound. But I really thought that what BYU was able to do on the glass kind of kept them in the game at times when they weren't hitting their shots because mm-hmm. they were all over the offensive glass, as you mentioned. Today, so, yeah. game, they had they, they had 10 offensive rebounds. Houston had 15. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what did it because Houston didn't really shoot all that well from the no. field. They, they shot well from three. They, they hit 10 threes, not Houston's game. And that's that's LJ Cryer's game though, and LJ Cryer has been <laughs> yeah. Such I mean that's like the 2020 Baylor stuff all over again, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of they're a lot closer to that than normal Houston tonight. So <laughs> from the perspective of a Houston fan, how important is LJ Cryer to what this team does? It's it's so important, man. I mean losing losing Sasser and just having in having another guy who has such a quick trigger um, and like the spacing has just always been somewhat of a frustration for me with Houston. Um, and also he kind of, I, I kind of enjoy the pace at times. He, he does ramp things up and um, you know, not force things deep into the shot clock as much as our backcourts have at times. So, yeah. Another key Ali Khalifa is number one in the country in assisted turnover ratio. He had five turnovers today. What do you think Houston did to kind of take him out of his element? One second. I'm sorry. I, I got to turn my head. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, they were they were just kind of running the five out, um, and Houston was, was pretty twitchy in the passing lanes. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure what went on there, but, um, yeah. What I thought happened, what, what I personally saw was Houston was taking away a lot of the backdoor cuts that BYU typically makes. And they said it on the broadcast. It's, it's not, a, it, there's nothing that tracks this, but like BYU has to be among the national leaders in backdoors. They were and, really trying to set that up early on. Yeah. And, and Houston kind of said, no, you're not doing this tonight pushed them away, pushed them out to the three-point line. I mean, look, BYU was 14 of 21 from inside the arc today. That's 66.6%. But they only took 21 shots inside the arc. They took 38 threes. You know why? Because Houston is telling them that their five out is not going to be able to generate anything on the inside. That's why they end up going to Foss Traore at the end of the game who we all thought was going to be one of their top guys at the beginning of the season. They go to him and they try and generate looks on the inside. And they also use him to generate looks on the outside. They had a really good look for uh, Richie Saunders in the Mm -hmm. corner at the very end, but that's like a 32% three point shoot. That's kind of the last guy that you want taking that shot. If you're BYU, but they generated that look by drawing three defenders into the paint on Traore and Dalen Hall. Yeah. I, I, I really think that this game would have been very different if they had ran the offense through Triori much earlier into it. He was, he was like more of a final 15 minutes thing. Um, and I, and I thought it was, it was really effective, especially with the physicality aspect. Um, Houston just got a lot less comfortable down low. Um, yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he actually didn't have any rebounds today, which is really surprising. Six that is surprising. Six rebounds for Trevin Nell, six for Richie Saunders, five for um, four for Dalen Hall, um, and five for Khalifa. On the Houston side of things, Cryer had twenty-three and four. That, yep. that I mean, he had five threes. Jamal Shed, who's 
up there among the assist leaders in all of college basketball. He only turned it over once with as much usage as he had. Took him a little while to get going in the second half, but he's the engine that ride that drives this Houston team. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been the rock, been the rock of the program for as long as I can remember now. <laughs> um, just don't don't have many, not many bad games from him, not many sloppy games from him um, at this point. Um, yeah, and I mean, Jawan Roberts, what what he's able to do in the low post at his size, yeah. he's like six seven. I think he's blossomed into a star this year, and. Emmanuel Sharp, I've, I've liked, and they're doing this. Remember, without a starter, the rest of, they're they're without a starter for the rest of the season. And Terrence yeah. Arsenal, a four-star recruit last year that was really having a good season, a uh, true buy stock now type guy, and he's out for the rest of the season with that torn ACL. And Houston's still chugging along. They're going on the road and they're taking out a top twenty-five team in the Big Twelve, and that that's life on the road. Like you have to play against these unbelievably unique and good basketball teams in the big 12 every yeah. game is different you have to go into this these tough environments that crowd unbelievable yeah that's i mean that's like the best byu crowd i've seen since they beat gonzaga back in 2020 i i really felt i really felt like that sort of environment was back so yeah uh, and byu it's, always- it's such a the style just really caters to it, in my opinion. You know, BYU's always had an awesome crowd, like football, basketball, whatever the sport is. Oh, yeah, BYU really comes out to support, and and I really love that. I think that, I think that they're just it's an excellent it's it's straight up an excellent fan base mm-hmm. because for sure. I, I mean, I don't know why, but it just is. <laughs> they, they fill that stadium. It's eighteen thousand people in that arena. Like they were in the WCC last year and they filled yeah. that arena for every, for a lot of their games. They have one of the best, most loyal and most passionate fan bases in the country. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to hand it to them. They made, they made me real nervous at times. Um, and they, they make sure that those, they make sure that that pace keeps going, you know, um, where do you think this Houston team still has room to grow? I, hmm, that's, that's an interesting question. I would say, I would say their, their offensive sets are not super clean at this point. Um, you know, they don't, they don't get into a ton of off ball stuff. Um, I thought it at times it was just kind of trying to swing it as quick as possible and only and settle for semi-contested three-point looks. Um, I would also say probably they, there's room for more post-ups down low. I wish that they gave Juwan more of those opportunities at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defense is the best in the country, like, <laughs> and the rebounding is still there. So um, yeah, just maybe a little more offensive structure. I don't know. It's I'm nitpicking. Yeah, and if we just take a look at like where Houston is right now, like they they're they're seventeen and two, and they, they pick up they, they top just, twenty they just offense. Up, they just picked up their second true road win of the year against top thirty five Ken Palm opponent. They beat Xavier back in December. That was kind of before, um, I think that was kind of before Quincy Oliveri really began his big time breakout but he was still playing pretty well at that point. Um, yeah, his next game was the 34-point game against Delaware. 
But, um, yeah, Houston has had some big wins. Um, they beat Utah and Dayton. We'll, we'll, we'll get into Dayton very soon. <laughs> um, they, they just beat – they just killed Texas Tech, and I, I think that's – that was kind of a statement win saying, look, we're still standing here. We're You're still yeah. going to have to come to our place and beat us because, look, Hilton's a tough place to win. TCU is a tough team to play against no matter where you're playing them. Those games were close to the end. And you go out and you beat BYU, not thoroughly. It, it was in doubt for a lot of it. But it was. it's proof of this team's resilience. And I think it's something that, that they didn't really get tested a ton in the American. And it may have yeah. been part yeah. of the reason why they faltered in the tournament they didn't really have the guns to play from behind against miami last year they didn't really have the guns to play from behind against villanova two years ago they didn't really have the guns to play from behind against baylor three years ago that mm-hmm. that's more of a baylor was just unbelievable <laughs> i mean baylor. Yeah. but i don't really think we talk about houston enough on this show which is odd because jonathan and i both are huge houston houston guys oh yeah all right, Nico, thanks so much for joining us tonight. We'll make Thank sure you. to have you back on yeah. soon. And we'll Nico soon. is going to be the co-host for the fifth annual Super Bowl special on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah, you know it. We we will be there. <laughs> yeah. We have one more guest coming in before Jonathan steps in. Cole Adams, welcome to the show. How you doing? Sam. Sam the man. Doing good. It's a good day to, you know, see the Dayton Flyers beat LaSalle, actually. At Tom Tom, Gola Arena? At at the great Tom Gola Arena. Yes, they survived, covered the spread. You know, it's one of those days. One of those days. Yeah, it was – they opened that game with so much energy. What did you see in the first half from the Flyers? Well, they started off – you know, it was – a. okay, first off, let me get started with just the quality of production. It's an ESPN Plus production. It's very frustrating to watch. Dayton does not deserve to be playing in environments like that. They need to be on Fox. You know, they need to be in the Big East, not the A-10. You know, we're sick of this. No no going to Tom Gola Arena anymore. We're done with this. But in the meantime, uh, they start off the game. Uh, the offense was good as always. It's just they the defense needs work. They keep playing this zone that's just not working, and it's getting a little frustrating to watch. But the first half was fine. Uh, they had a good lead heading into halftime, and then even out of halftime, like things were pretty fine, but then they, you know, they just let off the gas and then LaSalle kind of came back into the game and, you know, it was just, they had to kind of sweat it out a little bit, but, you know, it's a good thing they've got Javon Bennett coming off, uh, you know, Javon Bennett's really stepped up and has been huge for them when he's Love like on. Yeah. Yeah. He has just been a perfect plug in. And what was he like the third leading score on that Mer- Merrimack team that won uh, their conference? Yeah. You know. Second or third. Yeah. So it's like, he's just been outstanding for them and that's, a big reason why I love this team is because they're just filled with guys that have come off, come from like places you just would not expect and have come in and they've just been, their offense has been electric. So, yeah. And the one thing that I think about this Dayton team in, in this particular game, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I had eyes on it. Yeah. It was yeah. like they started off with all the energy, all the momentum. Yep. Deron Holmes had 16 points in the first half. And yep. Six, they're, they're, I think he had like 16 without a dunk too. I said yeah, that they were just, destroying them and then they kind of let their foot off the gas beginning Mm -hmm. of the second half came out with little energy sure but then like the second like the resistance like got to a point where it was like a three-point game Dayton just remembered oh we're we're by far the best team in this conference 
Oh yeah. Here, foot on the gas. Let's mm-hmm. go. And they won by 12. It was it was fairly resounding at the end. Yeah, absolutely was. I think Bennett hit, hit like two threes towards the end of the game and I mean they really kind of caught their fire again and it's just an it's a little frustrating seeing them go on those like stretches where it's like what are you doing why are you not like you know finishing the kill like why are you letting them back into this that type of thing especially against like a team like LaSalle I mean that felt like last that felt like last year's Dayton team exactly that's what they did all of last year and it was just like they just didn't have that you know kill switch but it seems like they're finally kind of getting that a little bit so yeah and like that's the one thing about this team like they let UMass back into the game. They let St. Louis back into the game. Mm-hmm. UMass is really, really good, though. They have seven losses, but there, there are a lot of – it's five of them are, like, really, really winnable games. They let UMass back into the game. They let St. Louis back into the game. But just the way that they powered past teams like Cincinnati and just, like, put yeah. that game away. Yeah, exactly. The, the Cincinnati they, game, they, like, they control. Just, the way that they – this game – the, the LaSalle game today was a lot like the Duquesne game um, a couple of weeks ago where Holmes went on fire in the first half. They were up by like 12. The um, home team would start a comeback, but then they would just flip the switch and say, all right, we're the best team in the conference. No mm-hmm. one can stop us. We're going to win this game by double digits. Yeah. I mean, it's fair like to have those a couple of nights though. Cause I mean, every college team has those type of nights where, you know, they just, it, the energy's not there in the arena. Like they're on the road. It's just a weird environment. But it's like you can't be having that, those with like a season like this, you know. It's like there's a lot on the line right now, and it's gonna be interesting to see if they even have another game like this. I mean, they've they've still got to go to like Richmond, they still have VCU coming up, like at VCU, so they're gonna get caught in some environments that are probably pretty raucous. So we'll see how that continues. And now the thing about this Dayton team is they've won 13 games in a row. It's the nation's second longest active yeah, winning streak trivia Sanford. time. What is the nation's longest it's, active winning It's Samford. Yeah, Samford. Yes, it is. It's Bucky yeah. Ball, Bucky mm-hmm. McMillan. Shout out. And we got Jonathan in here. Yes, there we go. Finally going to meet Jonathan. Hey, boys. There he is, my man. All How's right. Anyway, Jonathan, Good. what did you think about Dayton tonight? I thought they were pretty impressive. Like, we knew this was going to be a tough one coming in. Like, it looked like at halftime, like Dayton could run him out, but LaSalle yeah, fought yeah. back. LaSalle did fight back and Dayton responded. Like their offense is just lethal. And like people are going to kind of push this team aside because they're in the Atlantic 10. And like, let's face it, not everyone watches them. Not everyone turns on CBS Sports Network or ESPN Plus to see them play. But this team's legit. Like they're up there with. Some of the best, maybe the top 15 or 10. Oh, I, I, I absolutely think this is a top 15 team in the country. But what I was saying was they've now won 13 games in a row. Their next game is at Richmond. They also have to go to St. Joe's. They have to go to VCU. They have to go to George Mason. That's four more away games against top 100 Ken Palm teams. And I know for the first three, the building is going to be packed. And it's going to be their Super Bowl for those teams. Richmond right now is 5-0 and in the A-10. They play GW tomorrow. They probably win that game. They probably enter Saturday's game 6-0. and And we probably lead off Saturday's show with Richmond-Dayton chat. That, yeah. And like, then 
Dayton, if they win, if they win that game, they they still have to go play St. Bonaventure at home. They struggled tonight. That's a story for another time. I don't yeah, really I saw think that we're gonna score. get into that. Yeah, that was but St. Joe's, they came back to beat UMass at UMass tonight. And they're gonna pack Hagen. That's their Super Bowl. VCU, you think VCU is not gonna pack oh. the Seagull Center? You don't think this game is gonna be VCU's Super Bowl? Potentially like end a long Dayton winning streak. You don't think that's VCU's Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. and we still have the Arch Baron Cup in St. Louis coming up. Yeah. St. Louis stinks this year, but you don't think that building's gonna be packed? Yeah, no, like that no, those games are always packed. huge. That that building's not gonna be packed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's ex- those games are always huge. Like you the thing about Dayton now is like they're starting to get the attention that like you know they're gonna get everyone's best shot in this conference and Wait. like frankly what they did in 2020 going uh oh 18 and 0 them? they go they go they, they go 18 and 0 in 2020 it's really hard to do that i don't expect them to go 18 and 0 in the league yeah i don't expect them to even go 17 and 1 in the league but i think like 16 and 2 15 and 3 is still really really impressive didn't we establish a rule well, that was a fine. Okay, that was. I the wasn't rule. Try, I wasn't trying to compare the teams. I was trying to compare the records. And it was also. I said I wouldn't do it. I know you guys said on the podcast that you weren't going to do it too. But I specifically said if I brought them up, I'm getting kicked out of here. So you don't have to kick I Jonathan kick out. Jonathan out of here too. I, I, I have the kill switch. <laughs> no, but that's what's exciting too. Just in college basketball in general is like, I'm dying for because everybody's lost so far this year. So it's like. I want a team where there's like a real like win streak going on where like every night you got to tune in and see what happened. Like, are they going to lose tonight? Like I'm excited. That's why I kind of want them to keep winning is so then we can be like, man, you got to actually tune into this a 10 Dayton game. Like this is must watch TV. Are they going to lose it in this electric atmosphere? You know what I'm saying? Like that's something I really enjoy about college basketball every year is when a team is on a win streak tuning in in like January or February. And it's like, is this the night they're finally going to lose? Cause it just feels like we're not getting that as much anymore. You know, that was something I really loved and grew up with is that like anticipation there, of is this going to be the night? The one that sticks out to me, 2014 Tyler Ennis. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys kind of would even agree with that. I feel, I, I can't remember like the real last team that was on like a long win streak besides like Gonzaga, which they didn't they never lost. So until the <laughs> those, title game. those games weren't fun to watch. I think back to like Duke <laughs> yeah, those... in the Zion year. Yes. I mean, again, Dayton's lost already, but, you know, just having a, a long winning streak going. It's something we just haven't had in college basketball this year. Besides, I I can't even think of anybody. I, I feel like everybody's kind of been Houston, chaos. It's been chaos. Street. When last yeah, year or this like year? This year. Well, right last now, year FAU. No Charleston. Charleston last year. Yeah, Charleston last year. Oh, but that, those God. games are on flow hoops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get some CBS act. You know, we'll get Gillen on the call. So I mean, like. Hopefully, Dylan, who is alive, he's on the call right now. <laughs> I know you've got me on here. I'm missing it. I want to see Gillen on the call. He's alive and well. Is he on? Is he on Air Force? He on over here right now? If that's the one on CBS Sports Network, yes, that is it. Whoa, Air Force is up 17 in the first half. Yeah, Dylan. don't think we're going to be talking much about UNLV the rest of the year. Same. They'll they'll pick off somebody and we'll be forced to. Yeah, Keelan Boone, baby. That's where he's at, UNLV? I, I didn't even know that. There. Wow. God, that's a Justin throwback name. Webster and 
Thomas, the, the freshman. Yeah. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about with Dayton? I mean, anything else? Um, not really. I mean, just okay. do you have anything to add? I'm just excited to have a team that's probably going to get an at large. Like, I just am excited to see them in the NCAA tournament. You know, they've not literally played in an NCAA tournament game since 2017. Like, that's forever ago. And one, they didn't even win that year. They lost Wichita State. So it's like this town is just dying to see them play in March. I mean, that's what I'm excited for. So, All right. Thank you, Cole, for joining yeah, us. On I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Cole. Thanks. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. For sure. All righty. Peace, boys. All right, Jonathan. It's time to talk about the guy who we both thought was the greatest college basketball player ever not okay. long ago. Before we get into that, can I just tell you how glad I am to be on this show right now, tonight? Why? Like, I just put myself through hell for two hours. <laughs> that that was – for those of you that don't know who are on here right now, I am – I was covering the Mizzou-Texas A&M game tonight from the comfort of my own home, thankfully. That game was – it wasn't real basketball. Do you uh, want to no, talk about it? Like, very briefly. I mean... Go. Listen, we knew that AM was probably up for some... Due for some regression this year because they were we, very... Free- I did. I did, too. You had them, like, 15th. I had them fourth in the SEC. And you had them, like, 15th in the country. <laughs> I think they were much better than their odd uh, Ken Palm rating was said last year. But yeah, I had them ranked 15th. I didn't think they should have been the favorite in the SEC to start the year. I didn't, I don't, they weren't the favorite, but like they were second. I, I just, they, they just don't play a ton of together offense. Like they still rely a ton on the free throw line. And, that part of their game has regressed a little bit to the point where it's just ugly. Like last year they were winning ugly, but they were enjoyable to watch this year. They're sometimes winning ugly and they're not enjoyable to watch. And like, don't even get and don't even get me started on Mizzou. Like they're a train wreck. Oh, and six in the sec. They have like four sec caliber players on this team right now. Yeah, they were seven and two. Now they're eight and ten. I'm starting to like at least they're playing close games. So like sorry, now they're eight and eleven. Yeah. At least they're playing close games. So like maybe you get a couple here and there, but like this team is not good. No, and that was pretty clear basically by the second night of the season. Yeah. And that they Memphis just... loss, like Memphis isn't great. That's a quad two loss right now. Mm-hmm. Like, not that it matters. Mizzou's not a tournament team, but. They, they just don't remotely have the players to execute the style they want to play. You know, one team that we haven't really discussed enough on the show yet this year that's now 16 and 3. 
and is Missouri's next opponent. So it's now 17 and three. <laughs> um, shout out Lamont Paris and the South Carolina Gamecocks tonight. Just drubbed Kentucky at Colonial Life Arena. Talon Cooper had 20 points, six rebounds, five assists. Michi Johnson had 14. Jacoby Wright had 14. We spent like almost the entire South Carolina preview on the preview show just talking about how bad Gigi Jackson was. And then we kind of ignored that they just got so much better when Gigi Jackson was off the floor. Yeah, I mean, he was a disaster for them. Like, completely inefficient. Took way too many shots. And then... Talk this year's team. Huh? Talk about this year. Well, you brought him up, so... Uh, But yeah, this year's team, like... Listen, we kind of made fun of BJ Mack (laughs) a lot. Yeah, for, we didn't make fun of him for anything he did on the court. Let's make that clear. But, like, they had a bunch of guys that, like, I didn't really think were SEC caliber players, frankly. Like, Amici Johnson I thought was going to be fine as their leading scorer, but he's been more than fine. He's been extremely efficient this year. He's shooting been an all-SEC caliber player. Yeah, shooting over 37% from three, nationally ranked in true shooting percentage. Like Miles Studi has had a good year shooting the ball. Talon Cooper has had and he's been a fantastic out. year for them. Like doing everything that Talon Cooper normally does, but also shooting the ball really well. Like and just completely controlling the game for for them. It's been impressive to watch. This was a big time yeah, win. I feel like a lot of people are taking the Kentucky angle on this game and saying, oh, Kentucky this, Kentucky that. Not enough people are really t- taking the South Carolina angle and really establishing the fact that South Carolina now, yeah, 16 and 3, 4 and 2 in the SEC. This is not just a tournament team. This is a team that's moving towards a seven or a six seed right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. They're they're gonna they're sitting at four and two in the SEC. I'm trying to quickly pull up their net rating right now. Like they're not high in the metrics. The predicatives don't really like them. They're sitting at like fifty in Ken Palm, sixty two yeah, in the net. But like they have the one quad three loss that was Georgia. To Georgia. And and Georgia's that, not bad. Yeah, not terrible. Like might even move into quad two very shortly. But like, other than that, like set like 17 and three is impressive. No matter like who you're playing. They go to Thompson bowling arena on January 30th, a week from today. They will get slaughtered. They will get smoked. They will get slaughtered. But I, I still think there's a gap between the elites of the sec and South Carolina do you think but, South Carolina is the fourth best team in the SEC? What'd you say? Do you think South Carolina is the fourth best team in the SEC? I think Alabama's better than that. Uh, yeah, Alabama is the fourth best team in the SEC. But I wouldn't have I'll a problem. I'll give South Carolina sixth, though. I'll put Mississippi State at five. Like, 
forget rankings. This team's better than Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm putting South Carolina over Texas A&M, over Florida, over Ole Miss. Dude, I put everybody over Ole Miss right now. <laughs> hey, Ole Miss is also 15 and three. <laughs> Dramatically different. Yeah. Um, anyway, now I, I know I just said everyone is taking the Kentucky angle. That's exactly what I was going to. We have to take the Kentucky angle. Okay. Are you honest concerned question. about Kentucky? Okay. Um, honest question. Honest question. Not saying that it was going to happen tonight, for sure. Not say that, saying that, like, most people saw this coming. Did you, like, not expect Kentucky to play one of these games, like, very shortly? I expected it. I didn't expect it to be tonight. I kind of thought Ivasich was going to have another really strong performance. Not Obviously not what he did on Saturday. But, like, I, I expected better than what happened tonight. The bottom wait, line is, like... Wait, 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 wait. Why does the counter misspell his name? It does? Yeah. I had to change it. It had a V instead of an M. It looks said good. Vana Zvere. What? It's been like that all year. How have we oh, never yeah. noticed Anyway, um, yeah, a 14 and 4, 4 and 2 in the SEC. Your next game's at Arkansas. Um, but like their losses, they've allowed 89, 80, 97, 79. They are and not a good defensive team. Even in their like they are 12th in the SEC in defense. They just they they just play so fast that these games are gonna get out of hand in terms of like the 96 against Georgia, a lot of those points came in garbage time. But like 77 to Mississippi State, 77 to Mizzou, 85 to Florida, 70 to Illinois State, 76 to Louisville, eight Not 66 good. to Penn is fine, 73 to Miami is fine, 82 to Marshall. 88 to St. Joe's, uh, 67 against Stonehill. Stonehill scored 67 on them. They probably averaged like 54. Like, I've had the displeasure of watching Stonehill like four times this year just because like they've played a lot of really like top teams. And I also watched like an NEC game. They are so bad. Do you remember last year when? you and I kind of tried to talk ourselves into like JTT just completely changing Baylor's defense when he came back. We did for like two weeks. Like we should probably shouldn't do that with a Dufiero, right? No. Like, and I'm going to ask, I don't think Ivasich is like that great of a defender. He's like not he's great in ball move like quite well enough like laterally you can you can pick him apart in ball screens yeah like I, I think you can get him in ball screens and like he struggles to he struggles to go like i think he struggles to come back south like he can go north i think he struggles to come back south and i think he struggles to go east west overall like 
this Kentucky, like we we've been saying it for weeks. This Kentucky team is very good. There is a clear way to beat them right now. Not saying it's easy to like execute that, but there's a clear like thing that if you can get Kentucky like if you can get Kentucky to miss threes, if you can run them off the line, if you can get them to take tough threes and miss them, you have a good shot against them. And Their South Carolina de- did that tonight. Overall, defense is not good enough to win a national championship. I agree. I, I think it can get better. But, I mean, they're 98th in defense. This is you're, what you're talking. Are. You're talking about need, needing to jump 70-plus spots to, like... Yeah, no, they, they can be a top... I think with Adu, Tierra, they're close to, like, a top 65, 75 defense. And, like, but, when... Like, and, like, when they figure out, like, the roles of their bigs, because right now they really don't know what the best rotations are, who has the best chemistry with which bigs, and yada, yada, yada. Because they have mm-hmm. three bigs. Onyenso, Bradshaw, and Big Z. And they don't know the best order or system to deploy each of them in yet. And that's fine. It's fine. You don't need to know that on January 23rd. You need to know that on March 3rd. Can which their game, their first game in March, March 2nd against Arkansas. Okay. Their first test in March is their last regular season game at Tennessee. What will Kentucky's defense be ranked on March 9th going into that game against Tennessee? I say 79th. I was gonna say 73rd. Okay. Can I- yeah, they're not that's not a title contender. It's a why, final why contender. It's not a title. Why did Reed Shepard play 14 minutes tonight? I don't know. He I wasn't, wasn't in foul trouble. I don't know. Was he dealing with, like, something? Not that I saw. I'm going to search Twitter real quick to figure it out. I mean, Big Z only played 10 minutes. Yeah, but he hasn't played. Yeah, Kyle Tucker. No, I'm, just saying, know, man. Like, I'm... I'm just saying, like, we talked so much We talked so much about him, and he's only played 10 minutes. Kyle Tucker tweeted, I don't know, man. If I'm down 13, I probably have Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard in the game. Like... I think I've. I, we, I still. I still don't know how good of a coach I think Cal is. We, we've given a lot of credit to him this year because, like, he gets them to play hard. He's gotten the guards to mesh for the most part, but like, I still don't think he's playing the right players the right amount. Like, Dillingham and and Shepard and Reeves are your best three guards. Those guys should be on the floor. The most of the time, like I know, DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards were the names that everyone knew coming into the year, but those guys haven't been their best. Yeah, all right. That's um, that's Kentucky talk. I also, by the way, have no idea how they should, how they should, or how they're going to rotate their bigs. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know either. Just some rapid fire stuff for the rest of the stuff. Um, Nebraska, thirty four and ten from Rink Moss. That's a catch the Valley Fever type thing. That, that is a Valley alum right there, Rink Moss. What a, what a win! Did he graduate, Bradley? I don't actually know, but I'm calling him an alum anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's great, awesome. great night, great night for him. He's a complete gem that Nebraska took in the portal. That I said we we were game. on that, by the way, on this show. We talked about it. Yeah, I mean, we said it at the time. It was pretty obvious to anyone who had watched the Valley. He's one of the smartest players that I've watched pretty much ever on it. Honestly, his basketball IQ is off the charts and it shows. I mean, 34 points tonight, 10 rebounds, four assists, only turned it over once and had two blocks as well. He just kind of does everything well and was huge for, for them tonight when you didn't get the best out of Casey and they didn't even have Juwan Gary tonight. Yeah, um, Creighton beats Xavier. Do you, think, do you think this Ohio State team is making the NCAA tournament? No, absolutely not. It's a shame. I can't, I liked them. Yeah. Um, Creighton beat Xavier in Omaha, 85-78. Good performance for Trey Alexander. I mean, Creighton can beat the teams that they're better than. I don't know if they scale up. That, that's the thing. Are we overestimating Creighton's ceiling? I don't think I'm overestimating. Like, I don't think we are. are over As a college basketball community, are we Did o- we overestimate Creighton's ceiling? Is that what you're saying? What did you say? Did we overestimate Creighton's ceiling? Yes. I don't think this is a Final Four team. I mean, I struggle to see if this is a second weekend team right now. I could see them in the second weekend. I don't think I can see them in the final four. They, I mean, forget like last year when they had stretches. I think it'll be tough to, I think they're tough to figure out on a one day scout. I agree with that, but they're well coached. They hit shots. Like they do, they do, they do that stuff. They just don't do the little things. Forget like last year where they had a good stretch and a bad stretch and a good stretch again. Like this team can't even put together like two good games in a row i don't want to bash them too much like they they won tonight they want they've now they're they're six and three in the big east after starting oh and two they won six of seven the one loss was at the reigning national champion but like yeah they i don't know if they can go and win four games in march and against good teams like Wisconsin survives in Minneapolis tonight. I mean, these are the types of wins that you really need. They're more important as non-losses than they are as wins. And you're going to be jostling for seed lines. Yeah, good night for both AJ Starr and Tyler Wall. Minnesota battled. like They were down double digits and fought their way back into it. Williams looked pretty, pretty packed for the first time. In a while, at least I'd I've probably seen. mostly Wisconsin fans. It actually didn't feel that way, but Texas yeah, I would imagine into Norman and kills Oklahoma. This one surprised it, me. This game wasn't close for the second half. Texas won the second half, forty-three to twenty-seven. They won the game by fifteen. And Dylan Mitchell, sorry, um, Dylan DeSue and Max Aismas combined for 41. Dylan Mitchell had 12, 13 rebounds. Texas just was the much better physical team in this game. And 
That's what separated them. They were 40 to 24 on the glass. This was a game, and like I, I've talked very highly about Oklahoma this year. They played D. They're well coached for the most part. But this is a game that you like, I was watching and I'm just like, okay, how many actual guys does Oklahoma have that can go get you a basket? They were really struggling to just put the ball in the hole tonight. Because they were struggling to get possession. That, that's what it was. They, they got, they, they only got an offensive rebound 14% of the time. And they allowed, and, and they only got defensive rebounds 70% of the time. Yeah, that's not nearly enough. I mean, 40 to 24 on the glass is just ridiculous. I mean, JV and McCollum didn't have a great game. Milos Uzan didn't have a great game. Otega Owe didn't have a great game. Those are your three top like, guys. You need one of them a, to have a good game. This is a good rebounding team, too. So it's very surprising. So, I just think just that think, Oklahoma... This is like one of those nights that you just question, like, how how much energy do they really have? No, yeah, I just think they came out flat, which is not something you typically see in a home rivalry game. But not a team. Texas it's not got a, up. A thing, this not game a thing you meant something very much with Porter Moser teams. What did you say? It's not a thing you see very much with Porter Moser teams. But look, look, this team, Texas, they got up. They knew they had something to prove. They were they were one and three in the Big Twelve when they woke up on Saturday, staring down the barrel of having to play Baylor, Oklahoma, BYU, and Houston back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Now here they are at 500 in the Big 12, and BYU doesn't look quite as dangerous as they did maybe a week ago. Yeah, I don't think anyone – like, they're still top 10 in Ken Palm, which is just ridiculous because I don't think anyone seriously thinks they're a top 10 team, but I I was impressed with the fight tonight. No, yeah, but talk about – I don't – like – I mean, this is what Houston does. BYU was 11 of 38 from three tonight. On Texas? Anything on Texas? Texas? I mean, nice job really rallying after that UCF loss. It's a nice effort from that group and now back-to-back games. Got the win at home over Baylor. And now you get a road win against Oklahoma. You got to go on the road again on Saturday. Big 12 is just a nightmare, man. I mean, they could lose four in a row here, and nobody would really be surprised. Like, the, this, team, one... this team's resume is still not great. No, it's not. But these are two really big wins. They're both going to be quad one all year. The people are going to say, all right, here we are. These are wins you can point to when you say Texas is a tournament team. Because they also have Cincinnati. That's a quad one win. That's three quad one wins. All three of their wins in Big 12 player quad one. They, they, they really honestly won the three toughest games on their Big 12 schedule and lost the three easiest. Yeah. Sometimes it just works that way. Florida State killed Syracuse. Syracuse stinks. Yeah, you were at this one. Talk. So I got there in the late first half because of class. So Sounds like you made a heroic effort, by the way, to get to the – Oh, I – Whatever dome they're calling it nowadays. 
JMA Wireless Dome. I will never call it. So they wouldn't let me in with a bag. I knew that because I looked it up. So I had to drop my bag all the way back at my dorm, which is like coming. Like, if the dome is here, sorry, you're, you're going to have bad depth perception. That, that's not going to work. But like, I have to come, my say class is here. I have to come all the way to here to bring my stuff back. And then the dome's like here. Okay. So it's out of the way because I could just go around and to the student entrance of the dome here. But instead, I have to come all the way back here and then go around that way to get to the student entrance. Seems pretty inefficient if you ask me. 17 minutes was an incredible number. I thought it would take me 25. Congratulations. And you got there just in time to see what was a epic second half. No, I got there in the first half. I know you did. But I was straight like I there was a five possession stretch where I think there were like five total passes. From Syracuse or from both yeah. teams? From Syracuse. I mean, with all due respect to to Judah, you, you get that sometimes when he's on your team. It's not just him. It was JJ, too. With all due respect to Autry, are you even coaching? Like, they look like they're playing street ball. They don't really run much. That was they don't run just... anything. They ran one high-low last game. They ran one zoom. Granted, it was in slow motion against Pitt. That, that's it. That's all they run. They ran, they ran floppy earlier in the year a little bit, just try and get the ball moving like that's it they, 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 sometimes they'll weave not often i think when i saw syracuse in person one of my takeaways was okay there's like one clear x's and o's advantage here and duke has that yeah duke runs good stuff um st joe's beats umass lynn greer at the horn um, Bub Carrington had a great game for Pitt. They beat um, Georgia Tech. Did you see the Ed Cooley thing? The stuff on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. The, vi- the, the thing where he was sitting on the bench alone in the media timeout? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was weird. They got I, killed tonight. I saw the stuff this morning. Oh, yeah, where that dude called him that. Uh, yeah, so they got killed tonight by Butler at Georgetown. Like People say, like, oh, Georgetown's making progress. Georgetown this. They just lost at home by, to, by 24 to a team that probably won't make the tournament to fall to 1-7 in the Big East. People seriously think they're making progress. They've lost four in a row. Like, congrats. I think people were saying that. You, you lost a four-point game to Seton Hall, a one-point game to Xavier. People, like, like, they were fighting a lot harder, I think. Especially after the Xavier game, people were like, okay, something's here. And after this game, everyone's like, okay, nothing's here. They'll... They'll go into the dunk and, like, lose by four and be like, okay, something's here. Then Marquette will beat him by 25. Okay, nothing's here. It's the same shit, different day. 
Could, the end of so the do year, you think they have an effort problem? I think they have a roster problem. I mean, look who they freaking duck. <laughs> like, I just don't think their roster is good enough to like be much better than this. Like, they'll put up numbers that because they because they're playing fast or because just their offense is good, but they they can't guard anybody. They're they're not really being. I don't think they look well coached either. And that's and that's not a slight at Cooley. I just kind of think he hasn't really been able to establish his culture there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that could take some time. Yeah, no, it can take some time. Nobody, that's, a, nobody that's a losing program. And like, But, like, look at the guy. Look at where they took guys from. Like, Jay Heath was previously at Arizona State before they made the tournament last year. Supreme Cook was at Fairfield with Jay Young. Jaden Epps was kind of a disaster at Illinois. Like these like they they took guys that were either at losing programs or the re, or one of the reasons why their program was failing. Yeah, it's just like regardless of how good they were cuz Supreme's awesome, Epps is awesome, like Dontre Styles is is really cool, but like <laughs> there's a lot that like just doesn't that I just didn't get with the construction of this roster they just do you they, i don't think they recruited winners i mean Jaden Epps was on an illinois team that was is like going to be famous for having culture problems and was in the portal like i swear to god a day after they lost to arkansas i think he was in the portal in december mentally he was <laughs> but like I don't think they recruited winners, and that's I think what he did so well at Providence. He just got yeah, winners I, into the program. Jared I think that's Bynum, a really good point. Winner, Al, Al Manaya, um, Justin Manaya, winner. Al Durham, winner. Hey. He played at Indiana. Okay. He played. He at played for Archie Miller. At Providence, he was a winner. He played. He made a ton of winning plays at Providence. That's true. You know, maybe, maybe. Well, Bryce just... Hopkins, that's a winner. Devin Carter, that's a winner. I don't care that he was at freaking South Carolina with Frank Martin. He makes winning plays. He's going to be an All-American. He just got guys that, like, played their tail off. And, like, they never were super talented there. I just, like... just don't understand what the, like, what Cooley was thinking building this roster. And I think he'll learn from it and say, all right. I I need to go back to recruiting the way I did at Providence, and I think he's going to. But like, you don't want to do that at Georgetown. That's why he left Providence. But he has to get to that point before he can get to he, okay. that point. That's so my think, take. You think culture first, then we'll get the players. Yes. Okay. Culture first, and I think I, when he took the Georgetown job, he thought Hopkins was going to follow it. He thought Carter was going to follow him. He thought his guys were going to follow him. He thought Garway Duall was going to follow him. None of them followed him. That's the issue. Yeah. And he, now so he, has... he was forced to recruit, and he was like, all right, maybe I don't. Maybe I could just win with this. He can't. What if they didn't? What What if they didn't take Supreme Cook, who didn't enter the portal until like the day the, sh- the thing closed? 
What, what if that didn't happen? What if he stayed at Fairfield? God, Fairfield would be so good, but like. <laughs> I think that might be enough. Uh, that might be enough slander for a team that's undefeated in games that nobody watched. <laughs> oh, the irony! What else? What else? They haven't won a single game that people watched. Well, yeah, yes and no. Um, I think we're, I think we're good mostly. Yeah. No Valley update tonight. Cause we got more Valley games tomorrow. So, Oh, Purdue beat Michigan by 30. I didn't watch a second of this. Was anyone, let me rephrase. Was anyone coaching for Michigan tonight? No, but we got Harrison Hochberg minutes against Purdue. So that's always good to hear. Doug <laughs> McDaniel obviously suspended for road games. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> this should be a um, fun box score to Zach watch. Eady had 16 and 10. Braden Smith oh. had 11 and 10. Let's go. Chase Martin got in the game. Do you know who that is? No. Son of Mizzou basketball coaching great, Conzo Martin. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's a walk on there. Um, did you watch the Duke game? I did. Watched it wire to wire. What happened? First half looked great until the final two minutes. Second half looked awful until the final, like, two minutes. Couldn't stop him getting downhill. It was a really poor defensive effort. Um, Kyle Filipowski, to put it lightly needs to be better when there's contact. Like, he's not a skinny dude. He, he can body guys. No, he's a skinny and, dude. No, I don't think he is. Having seen him pretty close up, I think he's fairly he's skilled. 250 pounds. But having seen him close up, it's a lot of lean. It's a lot of lean muscle, you know? I just think he needs to be more. No, no, no. he does need to be more physical, but he is—he's he, not super strong. Positives: Mark Mitchell and Tyrese Proctor were both unbelievable. Specific, like Mitchell's so effective in that ball screen short roll that they run all the time. Tyrese was flaring, getting in the lane, making some smart plays. Just like looked like the Tyrese Proctor that we expected to see in early November. Yeah, but overall, like, wasn't too pleased with how they played, but they got out of there with a win. So, shout out Akron 7 and 0 in the MAC. Yeah, I was following some games in that conference tonight. Uh, I think Akron's far and away the best team in this league. Oh, totally agree. Their Buffalo their talent is now two and sixteen, one and sixteen against Division One opponents for George Halkovich in year number one. That's a really rough start. They got blasted by Ball State tonight. Um, Bashir J- Jihad had twenty. 
nine and four. It's a great performance for the Cardinals. They needed a win. They're now two and five. They've won two of three. But the MAC has just such a wide range of teams. There's like you got freaking Central Michigan. Sorry, not Central Michigan. Um, Eastern Michigan and Buffalo. They're terrible. Akron is really good, and the MAC stinks this year. Yeah, I actually think Todd Simon's doing a good job at Bowling Green this year. I agree. They're they're five and two. They're fourteen and five. That's, I mean, they they bring in Jason. They bring back Jason Spurgeon from um, from Southern Utah, and he's now shooting thirty seven percent from three, and he's doing all the things they need him to do. I, I like him, but this league stinks. Yeah, they Bowling Green took a tough one tonight. Home loss to Kent State, who obviously is worse than last year, but. Still has some dudes, but Bowling Green just frankly ran into Jalen Sollinger doing his thing tonight. Shout out Charlotte. Shout out Aaron Fern. The 49ers have won six in a row. They are in first place in Conference USA. Sorry, in the American. They're in first place in the American. Thanks to the win against FAU, they are they have they are a half game ahead of FAU and they hold the tiebreaker. They're also a full game ahead of SMU, North Texas, and South Florida, who are off four and one. The 49ers are six and one, and they're they're just really good. They got um a bunch of dudes that can get that can score. They play really slow. They they drag games out. They get and when we say we, when we say really slow, like really really slow. Yeah, they, they get you into rock fights. They play you tough. They they they're, they're physical. I like that about them. But they don't foul a ton, even then. And I I just think that Aaron Fern's done a good job. I had a lot of teams picked out this offseason as like okay, this could be the sleeper in the American. Did not have Charlotte on my radar. And like, all right. Anything else to add tonight? Because we're just over an hour. Um, got a comment. Duke doesn't look the same to me without Shire at head coach. <laughs> give him, give him some time. Like he's like, he's a young dude. Yeah, he's not Coach K. He Coach K was there for forty freaking years. Of course, it's not the same. He he also like won the ACC championship, and people like for quickly forget that. Coach K missed the tournament, his second to last year coaching. And then, like, obviously they got Paulo, and, like, he kind of just did Look, his thing all year for them. But Shire's got there a top company coming in next year. They're going to be fine. They're, they're I'm 12... not ranking them number one, though, preseason. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I probably won't either. But, like, I mean, you're 12th in the AP poll. You're 12th in Ken Palm. Like, they're having like they're higher than multiple other blue bloods in in Ken Palm right now. Like what what do you want? The only blue blood higher than them in Ken Palm is Carolina. Yeah. And then of course there's only two other blue bloods ranked below them. I mean you're forgetting about Indiana, the blue blood program. <laughs> Don't start. Don't even start. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, you want to take us home? 
Yep, if you came here to hear about Tyler Self and his employment, you came to the right place. If you came to hear about what game Pete Gillen is calling tonight, you definitely came to the right place. And if you came to hear about what is up with Caleb Grill, who played zero minutes tonight, you for sure. And zero minutes for the last six weeks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brackets, Bubbles, and Vince Dealers. This is Season 4, Episode 33. We will see you tomorrow night.